it's hard to imagine this now, but there was a life before Ginger and Diane. After Mum died, the most important person in my life was my support worker. So I probably need to talk about her first because, in a way, she brought us all together. Apart from work, and I didn't really count the people on my bus as friends, except maybe the regulars. My support worker was sometimes the only person I spoke to all week. I really liked her. Her name was Sanvi, and she always wore a sari, a different colour every time she came. My favourite was the red and gold one. It sparkled when the sun caught it, and she'd hoist it over her arm as she walked so she wouldn't get the hem dirty. Sometimes, when she was speaking, I found myself staring at the blood-red spot in the centre of her forehead, mesmerised by it so that I wasn't really listening to what she was telling me at all. When she coughed or called my name a couple of times, I'd bring myself back to the present and go, yeah, you're right, or something like that, so she wouldn't know I'd stopped listening. She'd sigh and say, there's only so much I can do, Wendy. You're 19 years old now, an adult. You have to try and help yourself too. Or, you know, social clubs and making new friends are open to everyone. It's true, they are. But only in the same way that staying at the Savoy or jet skiing is available to everyone. And I won't be doing those things anytime soon either. In fact, I hadn't been doing anything much at all since Mum died and Sanvi said that was one of my problems. Mum had died in August and I'm not saying it was harder for me than anyone else who'd lost their mum but I didn't realise how much I relied on her till she wasn't there. Maybe it was because I'd never had much luck making friends and it had been just me and her for so long living in her house in Birkinshaw. Before she got sick, she was out working a lot of the time, but even when she wasn't at home, she left me lots of little notes on the table and sometimes stuck to mirrors. In the kitchen, they'd say things like, take the bin out, Wendy. Remember to get milk on your way home. Put the stew on at three o'clock. There was always a note about something or other. Up in the bathroom or my bedroom, they'd say, you're your own best friend. God made you perfect as you are. And there was one that I kept stuck inside my wardrobe that just said, love yourself. After she was gone, I missed those scribbled notes pasted all over the house. Suddenly, there was no one to care if I got the milk or not. And I realised she hadn't told me how to love myself. I didn't go to work or eat or even take a bath for weeks after she died. I was finding it really hard to know what I was doing all those things for when mum and me weren't going to Tunnock's for our tea or into town window shopping at the posh shops or even just talking over dinner about what had happened on my bus that day. With mum gone, I didn't think anyone would notice or care if life caved in on me and I just stopped being part of it all. 
But Mr Laverty came round to see why I wasn't at work and called in social services as soon as he saw my house and the way I was living. I was angry about that at the time. He may have been my boss, but he didn't have the right to get strangers to come to my house and judge me. I refused to go to hospital, but it turns out if you're not coping as well as other people say you should be, they can slap a section on you and make you go to hospital anyway. They seemed surprised I hadn't spoken to a counsellor before, but why would I need that when I always had my mum to help me through life? I didn't agree with most of the stuff they said, like how I had to make peace with mum dying and be grateful for the life I had, and that the way to happiness was to strike a balance between the terror that is life and the wonder that is living. But I nodded and pretended to agree with everything. They lifted the section after a week, but it was another four months before they said I was well enough to leave the hospital and come home. Sanvi came to see me every Wednesday because it's important to establish a routine. That's one of the first things she told me. She said to start small, and I did find that small things became important. Ways of eating up the hours till the day was over, then the week, and then a month had passed. I went back to work in the February, and I loved my job on the buses, so that helped a bit. My favourite was the 255. That's the hourly service from Birkinshaw Bus Bay, through Moss End and up to Bells Hill. A lot of the other drivers don't like doing the local services, you do have to go back and forth over the same route a lot of times in one shift, but I liked it. Especially before I knew Ginger and Diane, when my regulars would keep me going. I'd start off in front of Naff's in Birkinshaw, not far from my house in fact, then head up old Edinburgh Road towards View Park. I'd fly along the top road past the View Park Community Centre, where the preschool children all went to Rising Fives and loads of kids from my own school had gone to basketball and karate and that sort of thing. I didn't go to any clubs, but my dad once took me to see a pro wrestling show in there and a block-jawed wrestler called the Dynamite Kid signed a gigantic foam finger for me. There was a stop outside JR's Tires and the Ashley was just opposite. It didn't matter what shift you were on, the drunks would be slumped outside, gulping down nicotine like oxygen, or standing about gabbing the way they say women do. No one ever called it the Ashley, it was always known as the Flying Tumbler. I don't know why. I knew it well though, as it was one of my dad's favourites when he first got made redundant. A young guy that Ginger told me later was wee Eddie, would be running on the street somewhere, either on his way to Coral or heading back to the old club as we drove by. Beyond St Columbus and a couple more stops took you to the Memorial Garden with a bronze statue of Jimmy Johnson and then round the corner past the Laughing Buddha and the Rolling Barrel. The pub my dad went to after the Flying Tumbler wouldn't have him anymore. I've changed my allegiance was how he put it to me as mum snorted from the kitchen beyond. 
By the time I pulled up in front of the spar in Bells Hill, the bus would generally be full, no matter the weather. The laughter and chatter from Irish Mary, Terry, Myra and the rest of my regulars would float down the bus so it was just as though I was part of the conversation myself. I finished early on Thursdays, so I got to go home and change out of my uniform, have a hot shower and put on my jeans. If I stayed a while in the shower, that could use up almost an hour. It took about 20 minutes to walk from my house in Birkinshaw, down the home Bray and across the motorway bridge to Uddingston proper. The village, as mum used to call it, though it's hardly a village now with all the new houses they've built. There's even a sushi restaurant. Sushi in Uddingston. Main Street's always busy. In the early afternoons, you've got the mums in the prams, usually walking three abreast so you can't get by without one of them tutting and saying, excuse us. You've got the rich old folk coming back from Bothwell Golf Club to have a drink at Angel's or the new wine bar they've opened. Rosso's or Rossi's, I think. I've never been in. My dad wouldn't recognise Uddingston these days. I don't think he would have liked it. He certainly wouldn't have been seen dead drinking in a wine bar. At first, it felt strange going into Tunnock's for my steak pie because me and Mum used to go there together every Thursday. We'd have a cup of tea and a scone in the cafe at the back and then pick up a large pie the ladies behind the counter would have, all packaged and ready for us on the way out. Mum would ask the woman handing over the pie about her daughter, who'd gone to university, and check with the woman at the till how her uncle, who'd had a stroke, was doing. And she'd been at school with the manageress, so they used to joke about not getting any younger and how old age doesn't come alone. She always knew the right thing to say and made it easy for me to hang back and say nothing, which was what we were both used to. The first time I went in after was a bit awkward. The ladies knew mum had died and felt they had to say something, but I couldn't talk about it. Another issue according to Sanvi. After one of them said, so sorry to hear about your mum. I looked past her into the chilled cabinet and said, A steak pie, please. A small one. She must have thought I hadn't heard because she said again, What a shame mum had died. And I said, Will you wrap it up for me and I'll get it after my tea? And left the three women behind the counter looking at each other in surprise as I headed to the back of the shop. I could tell I'd handled it all wrong because of the way they huddled and whispered together behind me. And I was glad Sanvi hadn't been there to see it. I wasn't trying to be rude. After Mum died, I, I realised it was just another thing I hadn't learned. How to talk to people about little things like family or what cakes they liked or whether it looked like rain. 
And even after my stay in hospital, I still didn't know what people wanted from me when they said they were sorry she died. Tears, maybe, or some other emotion? I never knew the right response. Better just to say nothing. Friday was my day for the library. I've been going to Uddingston Library since it was in the old sandstone building at the far end of Main Street. That's a podiatrist's clinic now and I think they also offer massages so you could get your feet and neck done at the same time if you wanted. The new library is round the corner from the Tunnock's factory, right next to the Baptist Church. The librarian's called Linda. Oh, she's really nice and sometimes even stops what she's doing to talk to me for a while about books. Once, I saw a poster behind her desk advertising the local book club. Can anyone go to the book club? I asked, following her as she carried a pile of books to the big red box in the children's section. She put the books down and said, Yes, of course. Are you interested? I shrugged. I wasn't sure if I was interested or not, but I did know the evenings were long with no one to talk to and, although I'd never been as good at talking to people as Mum was, I thought maybe even I could join in if we were only talking about books. Also, I knew it would make Sanvi happy. It's on the last Wednesday of every month, Linda said. We all take turns hosting the discussion evening and wait. You have to have people to your house? She nodded. I wouldn't have wanted anyone seeing my house, far less have to offer them tea and cups that matched, so I just told Linda I would think about it and watched as she tidied up the Mr Men books. I usually try to stay in the library for a full hour before walking back up the road. Sometimes... When I passed the Baptist church, I was quite tempted by the signs outside that said things like, We welcome everyone, or God loves all his flock. But I knew Mum would turn in her grave if I actually went into a non Catholic church, so I never did. <laughs>